I was thinking about something this morning as I was, I, I'll admit it, I was praying for the Chiefs. Praying for the Chiefs. Um, praying for the Chiefs, praying against the parade, but for another reason. Um, and I was sitting there thinking, I'm like, is this a selfish prayer? Because I started doing the whole Jabez thing. Is it okay to pray for things like this that are kind of silly? And, and you know, God says, bring your, bring your prayers to me, right? Just bring them. I'll, I'll pick, right? And here I'm thinking, here I'm thinking, there are a bunch of people praying against what I'm praying for. And it doesn't seem like that big of a deal, right? But I'm also, my mind, of course, is just going. And I'm thinking, you know, how many times are we praying against rain for, because we have an event, right? Um, but there are people praying because they need for their crops or for whatever, you know? And, and so that's a part of this lesson we have to learn in praying and letting God decide what's good and right for people. So I hope, I hope God's wearing red today. But, uh, but it just, the, the real reminder is, is, right, we pray and we lift it up and say, God, you know what's really needed in this situation. So, this morning we continue a new message series that I've titled, What's Missing? And each week we are looking at a passage of scripture to make sure we aren't overlooking an intended idea, purpose, or lesson. And by doing so, perhaps we can come a little closer to proper application and I take confidence that nothing in this particular area is missing from our understanding. And last week we looked at the scripture that says, you know, in everything. And we looked at the original word that every and thing were two separate words because it wasn't everything collectively, but every single thing, every single moment we should be thankful for. As a pastor, I often use real word examples and scenarios to help convey a message of scripture and to make it relatable and to point out its relevance. And today it's no secret or mystery. It's February 12, 2023, and it is Super Bowl Sunday. And I know what I will be doing tonight, along with an anticipated 100 million other viewers watching the Kansas City Chiefs take on the Philadelphia Eagles for the title. And there's something markedly different about this year that has nothing to do with the player statistics or team records or anything like that. And I'm going to come back to that in a minute. But aside from the additional prayers for our beloved boys in red, what can we glean from tonight's event? As a native Kansas Cityan and a business operator whose office will be completely inaccessible on Wednesday if the Chiefs win, I am keenly aware of how people are hyped up about this game. It, the town is crazy. And this helped me realize a few things about the nature of players and spectators of a major event. Okay? First, they're both needed. Right? If there's this great gathering of people and nothing to see what happens, the, the individuals get bored, they're restless, they may become unruly, they, they disperse because there's nothing to see here. Likewise, if people were to prepare themselves for something, there we go, we prepare themselves for something expected and it doesn't happen, right? We see this audience looking at this empty stage. Again, they become bored or restless and they feel that they're owed the event. They might even become a little upset. And to this point, just looking in recent history, there's, there's been a series of concerts that were canceled. I'm not talking about COVID. I'm talking more recently, like last, last July. Kid Rock fans, they trashed a North Dakota venue because the concert was canceled over weather conditions. Something completely out of control. But they were so upset, they destroyed this public building. In August, fans um, slammed Sean Mendez for partying when he was supposed to be taking a break for mental health and then posted pictures on social media of him sitting on a boat. In November, Morrissey fans, right? This is the, if you don't know Morrissey's peace and unity and environmental, right? He stopped the concert abruptly 30 minutes in and he said, 
due to an unforeseen uh, circumstance. And the crowd had no sympathy. They booed and, and jeered, you know. You owe us. We came to see something and there's no show. And it's not just rock and pop. I mean, our country fans do this too. Zach Brown canceled a, a concert and the fans got upset. And Eric Church, this is one that uh, I'd forgotten about. He canceled a, a, a concert in San Antonio because he wanted to go watch the, uh, the Big 12 game. He wanted to watch his team. And he, he in, his, in his press release, he posted, he said, I, I know this is a very selfish thing to do, but he goes, but you got to understand, I love my team, right? People were very sympathetic. People, when they gather to see a spectacle, an event, they expect to see it. And, and whatever the reason, they get upset when there's nothing. So the event doesn't happen. But participants, whether players or performers, they're an integral part of the event. If they don't show up without their engaged presence, there's nothing to see. But look at these people, right? What do you, what, give me a caption for this slide. What, what's going on here in this picture of these people that just kind of eyes fixated? What, what's going on? Say they didn't win, so they looked disappointed. I had a very critical moment. In the game. Critical moment. Maybe they were intense, right? Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. They look bored. It could be anything. And so I was trying to figure this out, but here's what I came up with. If they're watching a magician, they, a magician, they could be amazed by what they're seeing on stage, right? If this is a basketball player at the free throw line, they could be holding their collective breath for what happens next. If this is a speech, they get completely captivated by what's being said. But if this was a comedian, this is not the look you want to get from the crowd. <laughs> and if this was fans watching a sports team, probably safe to bet that they weren't overly hyped or impressed. Certainly they weren't engaged in the game. So you don't know the story, but if you were doing some of these events and this is what you're looking at, it can really kind of take away some of your, your wind, Right. So spectators, whether they're in person or watching TV or, or following another way, they're integral to an event. Without the witnesses, did the event happen? Did it matter what happened? Without their feedback, their reaction, was it, would you say this is inspiring if you were a, a player no. or a comedian or whatever? No. No, it would you'd totally take away the meaning and power and the inspiration for the event. So let's contrast a little bit. Let's, let's find some happy. Oh, gosh, there's those Chiefs players. Oh, yeah. What about this one? Is this audience engaged? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. I don't know how these Chiefs fans got in here. Let's find a better slide. Sorry. Oh, gosh. There's more Chiefs players. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Dang it. Anyway, I, what would you call this caption? I call this one foreshadowing tonight, right? Yes. <laughs> this is an engaged crowd. These are what I call raving fans. Let's do one more. Okay. All right. So this is more worship, but are these engaged yeah. Why are these people engaged, um, fans? But, um, you know, what, what makes any of these slides, what, what makes them engaged or participants or raving fans? What is it about any of those slides? Their expression. Their expression, yeah. They're active participants. Active participants. They're, they're kind of all doing the same thing, even though they're diverse. They're like, you know, they're all collectively looking or shouting or high-fiving. Go back one slide. Can you go back or is that going to mess up what you've done? I, I like, you know, kind of looking around here, you're seeing high fives and hugs and people touching each other. I think this guy's getting his toe stepped on. He looks unhappy, but, you know, it's, <laughs> but right? I mean, like, there's unity. I, I love it. I love it. Raised arms. Yeah. Yeah. What's missing from events that could make them meaningful, impactful, and we're talking about sharing 
is the raving fans, right? If, it's, if there isn't this kind of engagement and excitement, whatever it might be, a, a, a church service, an event, a speaking event or whatever, you know, it's, it's, it's almost not worth mentioning. But when Jesus spoke, he was often surrounded by great crowds. If you look at the, the, all the verses when he, was, when he was speaking, you say crowds gathered, crowds followed to the point that sometimes he had to sneak away to get a break, but crowds always gathered around him. And they weren't always on his team. I mean, intermixed these people were people who were criticizing him and mocking him, questioning, arguing, even persecuting. But however, there were many, many that were curious and, and captivated and engaged. Some of the stuff might have been the first time they've heard it or heard it in a long time or heard it explained that way or maybe by someone that wasn't the religious elite of the time. And Jesus recognizes people engaged the engaged crowd, right? He, he spoke to them. He, he talked to them when these people were engaged, inviting them to be a part of the experience. Mark 8, 34 is one example. It says, And calling to the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Right? Don't just be a spectator. Do and come. John 10, 27 says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. We're engaged. John 8, 12, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus helps us understand the difference between a spectator and a raving fan. In a couple places in scripture, you know, talks about the the wealthy man who came to, to him and said, what must I do to get to heaven? And, he, and Jesus gives him kind of the list that we all think about. He says, I've done all those things. And what's Jesus' respond to say, you can't just be a participant and check the box. You need to be engaged. You need to be a raving fan of this ministry. He says, one thing you still lack, sell all you have and distribute to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. It's from Luke 18, 12. And in Mark 10, 21, it says, you lack one thing. Go sell all that you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven come and follow me. Now, I don't know that that's the answer Jesus would give for all of us, but I think he would say, what's that one thing you're holding on to that's holding you back? And we'll talk a little bit more of this as we get into the Lent season. He's like, that's what you need to let go of, right? That's what's gonna make you engage a participant, a raving fan for Christianity. Jesus says in Matthew 10, 38, part of what we heard a minute ago, whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Revelations 3, 15, 16 offers this warning. It says, I know your deeds and they are neither hot nor cold. Now think about that, right? We think of people that are really on fire for Jesus and we think of people that are, that are like, you know, no. But he's, he's saying there's this group in between. I know your deeds, they are neither hot nor cold. And he says, I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. Jesus is not looking for spectators. He's looking for participants and raving fans. Now, any sports fan or athlete will tell you there is advantage to having home field advantage for sure. The players will tell you that the greatest of which advantages fan support, right? Having the home crowd there. In, in lieu of other advantages that aren't possible when playing away from home, you can bring that crowd with you, right? You can have the advantages of your home field as people are supporting you and shouting for you and encouraging you and celebrating with you. Friends, this world is not our home field. 
It's not. This isn't a game and the stakes of losing are high. We must follow Jesus and continue his ministry even in foreign and unfriendly places, physically, relationally, emotionally, right? Our citizenship is in heaven. The Apostle Paul offers this advice and it's a plea. It's found in Philippians 3, 17 through 20. It says, join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. So join the fan base, right? Verse 18, for as I have been told you, have I have, uh, how, sorry, for as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach and their glory is their, in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. Verse 20, but our citizenship is in heaven. That's our home field. We're visitors here. But let's give it the home field advantage by making it a place where Jesus is known and celebrated and encouraged. Having raving fans with you can completely disrupt the other side. It can negate their home field advantages. Their cheers against us are overcoming by our chanting, my hope is in the Lord. Christ saves. Hallelujah, I have a savior and I am free at last. Our hymns become our anthem and our scriptures become our mantra and the power of our testimonies reveal the scoreboard. Jesus has overcome the world. God has won. The disciples, apostles, and early followers of Christ, the, the original raving fans, right, knew this and took the message to the streets. Look at this, this slide. This is kind of a, a map of the early spread of Christianity in the first, you know, 300 to 800 years. And you can kind of see where it starts in these areas and, and kind of spreads. Go one more slide. This has a little note. It says, Christianity spread quickly due to roads, numerous trade routes, and common language throughout the Roman Empire. So there are some natural ways that you can kind of see it along the coastlines and, and where it's easy to get to. In fact, Paul's, you know, missionary journeys hit many of these spots that you're, you're seeing here on the screen. The early church was limited to and by roads and waterways. But what keeps us from showing up with our support everywhere with Jesus now? Right? Let's go back one slide to those crazy fans. There we go. Yeah. Look what they're wearing, right? How many? I see like six number 15 jerseys and, and maybe three number 87 jerseys. There's a whole bunch of them floating around in town this week. And I tell you, there are more than that on the streets of KC. Did people pass each other and go, hey, Patrick, good to see you, right? Number 15, number 87, you're my favorite player. No. The most common greeting for weeks is a simple two-word greeting. What do you think that is? Go Chiefs. That's right. That is, that is what you get. That's all you hear. You see, when you're wearing those jerseys, you're not claiming to be Patrick Mahomes or, or anybody else. You're celebrating them. Colossians 3.17 from the Living Bible. It says, and whatever you do or say, let it be as a representative of the Lord Jesus and come with him into the presence of God the Father to give him your thanks. As raving fans, we are representatives of Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.20 uses the word ambassadors. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. 
We may take up his cross. We may embody his character and his works, and that's, that's what we're supposed to be doing. But we never, ever claim to be Jesus. We simply honor him and serve him by continuing his ministry. So the people see Jesus at work through us and say, thank you, or more aptly, praise God. Go God. That is being an engaged fan, a raving fan, a participant. Let your enthusiasm spread and take other spectators to the next level. Look at the message paraphrase of this same verse. It says, we're Christ's representatives. God uses us to persuade men and women to drop their differences and enter into God's work of making things right between them. I love that. Think about that. We are Christ's representative that God's using to persuade people to drop their differences and enter into God's work by making things right between them. Unity. And then it ends with this sentence. We're speaking for Christ himself now. This is what we're saying on behalf of Christ. Become friends with God. He's already a friend with you. The state of Kansas has introduced sportsbook gaming, and if you're watching Kansas City channels, it's all over, right? Now you can bet on stuff. And not only has it become a success, but it's also generated additional interest in different aspects of the game and events. I mean, there are things, we were laughing about this. You don't just bet on Chiefs or Philadelphia, but who's going to score first? What the coin flip's going to be? Um, how many yards? I mean, you can go crazy all this, and whoever the math guys that are figuring this stuff up knock themselves out. But it's interesting, but... But people are really more engaged because they're like, oh, I'm going to put $5 on this. And now they're really watching to see if that happens. How much more valuable, how much more invested are you with your soul and the souls of those around you? Right? This is the, the, this is the game, the battle that's being played. So pay attention because you've got a lot at stake. I mentioned early on a little teaser that something's different about this game. And, and I didn't realize it at first, but I read this, this editorial comment from journalist Dan Grainer. And it's titled, Super Bowls, Quarterbacks, Mahomes and Hurts Embrace Faith as NFL Kneels for God, Not Wokeness. I'm going to read quite a bit of it here, so bear with me. It says, the NFL went from kneeling in protest to kneeling in prayer. Football lost key support from conservative fans during the Colin Kaepernick protest era, but the post-COVID-19 era is one of open religious faith, and nowhere is, where is that more obvious than in Super Bowl 57. The biggest of big games features two quarterbacks, Philadelphia Eagles QB Jalen Hurts and Kansas City Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes, who are both openly men of Christian faith, and even the legacy media embraces it. The press highlighted the league's belief when Buffalo Bills safety DeMar Hammond was injured, but it's more than just one time. CBS Sports profiled Hertz at the beginning of the season and wrote, quote, but where family and fashion and good tunes keep him level, faith keeps him strong. And this is CBS. This is not CBN. There we go. Hertz emphasizes faith, and CBS did too. It's, quote, I've just matured and realized that God is everything, and he's worthy of praise. You have to put him at the center of everything you do, and that's what I believe. That's word for word from CBS, complete in capitalizing God and he's and him. It even appears to violate the infamous Associated Press style book, which calls for lowercase pronouns referring to the deity. 
Hertz also invoked God after winning the NFC Championship. Quote, only God knows the things that each individual on this team have been able to overcome for us to come together as a team and do something special as a group, he said. Patrick Mahomes has a similar strong relationship with God. He went into the AFC Championship game with an injured ankle, with sports writers questioning how it would limit his performance. I'll admit we did pray for that. But he triumphed, even running the ball in a key play. After the victory, Mahomes knew who to thank. This is, quote, first off, I want to thank God, man. This is how Patrick talks. I want to thank God, man. He healed my body this week. He gave me the strength to be out here. It wasn't new for Mahomes to thank his creator. God is good. Hashtag blessed, he tweeted in 2018. The playoffs featured a fresh face of faith. San Francisco 49ers rookie quarterback Brock Purdy. He went from being the last player drafted this season to winning seven games in a row before losing a playoff game after a major injury. He said, quote, God and Jesus are going to be my identity. And whatever I face, I won't be shaken from it. So again, this is an editorial, but I love that these things are being said and shared. It says the NFL's return of faith might not have been so obvious if it hadn't been for tragedy. Bill Safety Hammond was seriously injured during the match of the much-washed broadcast of Monday Night Football. His heart stopped. It brought out the best in the NFL. The Bills huddled for a team prayer right on the field, the kind of scene that one Washington State High School football coach had to defend all the way to the Supreme Court. The legacy media reacted to the injury wonderfully. ESPN analyst and former NFL quarterback Don Orlovsky prayed for Hamlin on air during NFL Live. It was one of the most moving moments of the Stevens, and it wasn't just a moment of shared pain. It was one of shared hope and shared faith. The New York Times recognized it with a piece titled Prayers for DeMar Hamlin Show Bond Between Football and Faith. The said head goes, it makes it more clear, quote, Christianity is embedded in NFL culture in a way that goes beyond most sports. Lord, I need you, please, by my side. Buffalo Bills quarterback Josh Allen admitted he had a spiritual awakening after Hamlin's injury. Hamlin tweeted before the final game of the season, God's using me in a different way today. Tell someone you love them today. Amen. Amen. You know, we wonder sometimes how God will use these bad things. And there's three examples from the man whose heart literally stopped on the field. And it brought attention to things. And, and when people are elevated to fame, right? Good or bad, right? When they, they have our attention, and to use it like that, right? They're on that stage. They are surrounded by the crowd and, and people are watching them and, and what they choose to do, good or bad, reveals a lot and shares a message. Sometimes they talk about politics when they're really just a good athlete or actor, right? But sometimes they talk about God and I like to think that they truly are genuine with their faith. So player, performer, or spectator, are you a raving fan in all that you're doing for Jesus Christ in his ministry, which you have been called to be an engaged participant? You do that through your ministry, through your witness, through your testimony, your words, action, and your general support. We can decide what we want to do. So become a raving fan and get in that game. And let's, let's just make that our prayer. Would you join me, please? Heavenly Father, so much goes on in our lives and we get just distracted or sometimes whatever by just all the busyness. And, and help us to understand that these moments serve a purpose, if nothing else is a reminder that there's a lot going on, there's a lot to see and witness and what we do, how we respond is, is a choice that we can make. So just as 
as though shepherd on that hill saw the angels and, and, and heard the story of the birth of the Messiah. They didn't choose to think that was amazing and sit and talk about it. They ran. They became raving fans and told everyone they knew of the people that had been healed by Jesus Christ or witnessed the miracles he performed or heard his teachings. And they became raving fans and they went and told people they knew. Lord, that has not stopped. The Great Commission is, is very clear that we must go. Lord, as we see the things going on and around our lives, the way that Jesus works and acts, let us be his raving fans. Way to go, Jesus. Hallelujah, amen. Let us share the story of what we've seen. Let us become active participants, key players in this non-home field world that we live in. As we take the fight to the devil himself and say, hallelujah, we have a savior, there is hope. Lord, we thank you for these powerful reminders. Lord, we thank you for the way you are in our lives and moving things around. And, and even when it seems like we're in one of those breaks, when one of those wilderness seasons where there ain't a lot going on, we watch and wait expectantly for what you're gonna do next. Lord, we call that hope and we thank you for it. It's in your son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.